We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast where we are uh, previewing the battle for the old brass platoon as Indiana travels up to East Lansing to take on the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, Indiana is coming off a loss to a tough overtime 27-20 loss to Michigan. They uh, complete the Mitten State uh, series and go up to Michigan State. Uh, to face the Spartans. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. We'll go in-depth on, on the game, what IU needs to do uh, in order to return the Spittoon to Bloomington after winning it last year in Bloomington uh, in a uh, 24-21 thrilling victory in overtime, uh, and we'll see where we go from there. Anyway, IU is sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Michigan State is uh, – is five and one coming off a uh, a win at Minnesota in the rain, uh, 30 to 27. Uh, so we'll have uh, a full recap on, on both seasons. Uh, Michigan state has also knocked off Michigan at Michigan 14 to 10. They beat Iowa 17, 10, uh, lost, at, uh, to, thir- uh, to Notre Dame 38, 18, and then beat Western Michigan and Bowling Green, uh, pretty handily uh, early in the season. So we bring in TJ Inman. TJ, how are you? I'm doing well, Sammy. Doing uh, doing very well. It's, um, you know, Saturday, uh, we've, you know, you and I have talked about uh, the Michigan game quite a bit. I know uh, I know IU fans have spent a lot of time thinking about it as well. And, you know, the sting from that game is, is going to be with us for a while. Uh, in a sports sense, that was a, you know, a real, um, real disappointing a loss in a. Yeah, it was a game I you probably should have won. You know, they give up 200 yeah. yards to, yeah. to to Karan Higdon, who you know, as we wrote last week, you needed to make John O'Corn beat you, and it was you know yep. defense only let up 27 points. They played well at times, but they didn't play uh, well enough. Uh, you know, it, that first drive took a lot out of them. They didn't make the tackles that we we're used to see them making. You know, Tigre Scales and Chris Covington whiff on O'Corn uh, in the backfield on one play where O'Corn just, you know, lost up a prayer and and the rest is history. Uh, and then in overtime, they had that play stuffed uh, and nobody really set the edge there and it goes for a touchdown. And then, you know, I, I wasn't all that impressed with Peyton Ramsey's play. You know, he, the, the play calling, you know, is what it is in the red zone. I thought the two running plays, we said it while we were watching it, that, you know, if, if he makes the right read on one of those read options, it's a walk-in touchdown. I believe there was one yep. play where the defensive end crashed. If he keeps that, it's a walk-in touchdown. And, and we're talking a different story. So 
I think Peyton Ramsey, well, while played yeah. decently as, as, a, a, as a redshirt play, freshman. There was a play to, uh, and I forget if it was second and goal it or was third and goal. Jason Harris, too, to where he held on to the ball. Open. He was open. It, was, it, was yep. a, it would have been a uh, – it would have had to be a good throw to get it there, and I know what Ramsey was worried about. He was worried about the defender uh, in between him and Harris, uh, but he he waited too long to, to make that throw, uh, and I think there was just some indecision, which, you know what, I, I understand. I mean, that was his second career start, and that I've had to, uh, to remind myself of quite a bit is um, – Peyton Ramsey, while we've talked about him a lot, in reality, that was his second career start. Uh, and his first one was uh, mostly an exhibition game. That was a game that Indiana was not going to lose. And it was uh, not, you know, it was just exhibition work and prep work uh, to get ready uh, as much as possible for Michigan. But it's important for, for all of us to remember that was his second start. He's going to learn. He's going to continue to get better. Um, but it, it it was definitely a, a winnable game. It was one that was right there, uh, but they didn't, and they did not. The, the, the streak to Michigan continues. But none of that matters now, though. It's you know it's time for this Indiana football team uh, and for the you know for the players to and the coaches to put that loss behind them uh, and move on to Michigan State because everything that IU was hoping to accomplish realistically is still in front of them. Uh, they can still definitely win seven games this year. They can still definitely go to a bowl game. They still should yep. accomplish those things. Games against Maryland, Illinois, Rutgers, Purdue, uh, Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin. You know, I, I would put Wisconsin as the least likely to win uh, the Michigan State after that. But uh, Michigan State's a team that um, they are beatable, uh, certainly. They're not an overwhelming favorite against Indiana. The line's six and a half or seven, depending on where you're looking. Uh, and we'll talk about that game here in a second. But everything's still on the table for you to have a really good season, a really strong season, after a transition to a, a new head coach and an entirely new offensive staff, uh, an injury to, to Nick Westbrook. I'm not going to list the excuses here, but um, – I think that there are a lot of valid reasons why winning seven games this year and getting to a bowl game would be a nice accomplishment for Indiana, and that's still in front of them. Yeah, definitely. And you talk about injuries. Uh, I use without Westbrook. They've been without Hale uh, for a while. They've <laughs> been without Marcelino Ball uh, for a while. You know, they've been without Juan Harris, who's added some depth to that defensive line. Uh, they've been without Brandon Knight for parts of several games, so you know it's. They were basically without Ian Thomas last week. I mean, he was yeah, he was out. There, he was banged up and, and all that stuff. But the, there is some some good stuff that came out of that Michigan game. I thought outside of um, outside of Devontae Williams, special teams is great. Devontae Williams, they have to change that. He's you know Tom Allen needs to good job this year uh, of trying to play the hot hand. And he's made some of the right moves, but one of the moves he has to make is, you know, I know Devontae Williams has has a lot of speed when he gets into the open field, but man, him fielding that ball at the 13 yard line when it was, it was going to land about three feet out of bounds uh, was inexcusable. And it really changed the tenor tenor of that game. 
it would have given Indiana was down three nothing at the point. It would have given them the ball at the thirty five, a little bit more momentum. Usually, when you see kickers kick it out of bounds, the team who gets the kick usually scores. And then instead of that, IU marches downfield, has to settle for a fifty one yard field goal that gets blocked uh, because Mackenzie Nuara got blown up on the play by Maurice Turst, um, who who played a terrific game, and that field goal was blocked. But Griffin Oaks was terrific. Uh, he made three out of four uh, or two out of three field goals. Uh, you know, that, that 48 yarder there to, to close the fourth quarter was clutch. And that's great to see from him because they're going to need him to make some clutch kicks. If they want to get to that seven yeah. or, you know, six, seven win mark uh, Hayden Whitehead, who Alex Compton, uh, one of our writers did the matchup to watch between the two punters, he was fantastic. Jay Sean Harris, without Jay Sean Harris, that game is not even close. You know, they don't get down there um, and make it a one-score game. And then, of course, the onside kick, which is as con- controversial as as it's been, uh, you know, that who knows? You know, I thought he was inbounds. The replay shows he was inbounds. Yep. I don't know what the referees were looking at, but that was a perfectly no executed – No controversy to me. Yeah, that was a no perfectly – No controversy to me. I, yeah. Perfect. A perfectly executed onside kick where the third hop was huge. You had Simi Cobbs streaking down the sideline. It was a terrific kick, terrific play. So I, I just that's my take from the Michigan game. Now you have to move on. Go to Michigan State. It's, it's a rivalry game for a trophy. You need to keep these trophies uh, in-house as much as possible. It's a chance to keep the spittoon in Bloomington for the second year in a row uh, against a Michigan State team who, you know, treading water there you know they don't really have that impressive of a victim the win at michigan 14 to 10 in the pouring rain but is beating michigan you know how good is michigan beat iowa by seven they beat western michigan by 14 they beat green by 25 and they hung on for dear life against minnesota they had a big lead and just held on for dear life but to me this game is to uh, what this defense does against Brian Lewerke. Uh Lewerke is Michigan State's uh, sophomore quarterback. He's thrown the ball pretty well. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions, 1,100 yards. Uh, he's 50% of his passes. Uh, he's also a threat on the ground. The second leading rusher for Michigan State with 318 yards, three scores as well. <laughs> if they could keep him from extending plays with his legs and making plays with his legs. I, I, I really think the defense has a shot. LJ Scott's having a, a nice bounce back year uh, from last year. Madre London is there. Gerald Holmes is back. You know, it's the same three headed monster that, that we talked about last year. But to me, if, if you could ground this Michigan state running game, which has come back to life this year and a big reason why they're five and one, uh, Indiana has a shot here on the road. I agree with that. I think Brian Malarkey, he I mean, he's completing about 60% of his passes. Um, I would say he's the, – the good word for it would be efficient. Um, he has only had a couple of turnovers. He's got nine touchdown passes. Uh, Felton Davis is his go-to receiver. and He, he looks like a pretty good target, uh, but he's not – you know, he's not going to terrify you. Richard Fant is not going to be scared of going up against uh, Felton Davis. Um, they don't really have a legitimate second weapon. Um, they've got some decent players, but nobody that really scares you 
uh, outside of Felton Davis, and, and he's, um, I mean, he's had a couple of really good games, in particular against Iowa. He had two touchdowns there in the first half that uh, ended up being a tight end weapon that they, you kind of have grown accustomed to them having. They don't have that. Uh, which I think has hindered their offense a little bit. Uh, but you know, L.J. Scott's a really good running back. Their offensive line looks improved over last year. Uh, they're not making near as many mistakes as they did a season ago, not near as many turnovers, um, which that's something that the Indiana defense has, has got to find a way to start creating more of is is takeaways. It feels like this team is, is you know, so close in these types of games and, having one or two turnovers created to, to give your offense a short field uh, would make all the difference in the world. And uh, I, Michigan State does not appear the team to get that going against because they've done a very nice job of taking care of the ball. Uh, their running game, L.J. Scott's the guy you got to watch for. Um, he's averaging 4.6 yards a carry. Uh, Madre London uh, is He's pretty good, but I think L.J. Scott's definitely the most talented that they have. And then Gerald Holmes, uh, he's a senior that really I don't think has lived up to what they had hoped he would be, which is a big bruising back. Uh, he's just hes just not that good. I mean, his, his numbers, uh, he's barely above three yards carry. Um, yeah, he's not really the short yardage uh, bruising tailback that, that I think that just by looking at him you'd expect him to be. I don't think he'll get a lot of work on Saturday. I think it'll be primarily L.J. Scott, the Madre London, as the uh, as the change of pace back. But you're gonna you're gonna see a very similar offense to what uh, what Michigan ran uh, in terms of the run pass distribution. Uh, but I think you'll probably see much more Brian Malarkey trying to make plays with his legs as opposed to John O'Corn. So that, like you said, that's the key that you got to watch for. If you've got a chance to get him down in the backfield, you've got to do it. You can't have the missed tackles where he escapes out of the pocket and breaks a run instead of a 5- or 10-yard loss. It cannot happen on a consistent basis. When you've got a shot to get him down in the backfield, you've got to do it. Tackling's got to be better than it was on Saturday against Michigan. Um, I think that it will be. I, I really expect a, a good performance on Saturday from, from IU's defense. Uh, I'm not worried about Indiana's players bouncing back. They've shown us time and time again that, um, you know, they the losses definitely hurt, but they are, they're a resilient bunch, uh, and they, they bounce back very quickly. So I'm not expecting any kind of hangover effect. I could be wrong, but I, I'm not expecting that. And I think the defense will have a, have a really good week on Saturday after I'm guessing that Tom Allen's going to point out all the missed opportunities the defense had for takeaways, for uh, for missed tackles that they could have had guys down in the backfield. Um, those things are going to get pointed out, and I think they're going to work on correcting them on Saturday, but I do think they'll do a pretty good job uh, against the Spartans, particularly if you can limit Michigan State getting big plays, because they will throw deep. Uh, yep. They try to try to ground you down on the ground and then you know, use play action, throw it deep. If you can not allow any of those big plays uh, and make that running game uh, the only dimension that they have, I think Indiana's defense is good enough to stop a one-dimensional attack like Michigan State's and hold them uh, somewhere, you know, in the 
at 20 or, or around that mark. But if you can do that, you feel like you've got yourself a chance. And exactly right. Defense hasn't tur- uh, you know created takeaways like they did last year, which is a big reason on the turnaround <laughs> defensively uh, from 15 to 16. They need to start doing that. It get just gets your offense who struggles to to get points and, and put drives together the ball in better position. It takes points off the board uh, for for opponents. There are a lot. There there was a couple Michigan drives where you know if you got a takeaway, you, you could put up points. You take away a field goal for Michigan here, and 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 the scores you know the scores different. The outcomes different. Uh, to me. It, that's that's the key to this game. I want to see this defense get some takeaways, whether that's creating fumbles, which they haven't done a lot of this year, or getting interceptions. Yeah, IU had an interception last week that was called back for a pass interference call. Apparently, we can't touch Michigan receivers, but they could tackle ours in, in the back of the end zone. But, um, you know, that that's a, a question that I, I'm saving for media day next year. Uh, so just a quick PSA. If you are an IU fan and you remember a bad call ever going against IU against these big boys, please email me at thehoosierhuddle at gmail.com. I want to compile a list of all of these to ask uh, Commissioner Delaney and to ask uh, Bill Carollo, who's the uh, head of officiating in the Big Ten, you know, know, basically what the heck. Um, So, you know, it's gotten to the point where I I think somebody needs to – say something um and I'll, I'll be the one to do it uh so anyway uh creating takeaways is, is going to be huge you know getting more than one of them and then not turning the ball over on offense you had two interceptions yeah one was on the last play of the game uh but you know Peyton Ramsey throwing the deep ball doesn't look as efficient as as possible um his deep balls have been either knocked down picked off uh by defenders, things like that. They have to target semi cobs and use these receivers. You know, Luke Timmons has looked really good uh, in the slot, but they need to use these outside receivers. Uh, and, and, you know, they're not one dimensional, but they've become such a short, short yardage team that it, it is almost yeah. one dimensional and, and teams come stack the box and just make it that much harder um, to, 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 to produce yards, to produce points. So I'd, I'd love to see Peyton Ramsey throw it deep a little bit more. Use Simi Cobbs, uh, who, who's – he's a beast. I mean, he just outworks everybody. He's six foot four. He's, he's a big-bodied receiver who could get open. He's got to catch the ball, one. Two, they've got to throw him the ball a little bit more, and hopefully Ian Thomas is healthy, too, and they could get this, you know, intermediate to long-range passing game going and – and really make this defense or this offense hard to defend. Yep, I totally agree with that. You've got to take deep shots, even if they're not successful, uh, to open up some lanes for your for your running game. Open up uh, that box because right now teams are putting eight in there, um, and they probably feel like they could put more than that because they don't worry about uh, getting beat over the top. Uh, safeties can creep down and stay in the box and shut down IU's pass or running attack. Um, you know, in Michigan State, they're going to be incredibly tough to run on. I mean, they, they really locked down Minnesota's very good running game uh, and held them basically 
to under three yards to carry uh, last week. Minnesota came back when they kind of opened up the attack. Emory Croft came in. They're they're more mobile of their two quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, they're giving up Rota, two points. They're and, giving up under three yards per carry, which is outstanding. Yeah. Um, uh, only five touchdowns on the ground this year. Five hundred and sixty some odd yards on one hundred and ninety one carries. That's uh, you know. It's going to be a tough bunch to run on, so. Yeah, but I I really think Indiana needs to uh, needs to try and establish Morgan Ellison. Uh, he was yeah, I he felt was underutilized against Michigan. I felt he was, he was really four, underutilized. He was at four point nine yards per carry. You know, he had that big thirty yeah. three yard run. Five coming out of halftime to start the third quarter. They used him a lot. And they they were really successful. And then you could do the play action pass off of there. Uh, and if you're going to run the read option, you're to make those reads. You can't have a quarterback back there. You know, that crashes handing it off. The, the you know lesson number one on running the read option is if your defense end crashes to the inside, you around him. And it it was clear as day crashed. And they couldn't do it. So hopefully that, uh, you know, they got that figure. He's a smart kid, coach's kid, works hard, redshirt freshman. Let's see. Let's correct those mistakes. Go out there and, and, and you know, they do. They need to get Morgan Ellison going. I, I think shying away from him and saving a stretch run is, is kind of silly. You need, you need one of the, the next two games, uh, if not both, to really – elevate your season um you know if you if you lose if you lose the next two you're sitting at three and five going into the last stretch of the season it's yep going into wisconsin you figure you're at three and six going into the final three Uh, do i think iu could beat all three of those teams yes um but winning three games in a row, two on the road, is tough to do, especially for a Purdue team who's improved and is out. It's going to be yeah. gunning for you with everything they got um, in that. So taking one of the next two against Michigan State or Maryland uh, really gives you some flexibility in, in in your schedule and and a little wiggle room in case something goes wrong. So I think coming out, getting some turnover takeaways and turnovers, uh, limiting your turnovers establishing Ellison on the run and just playing the same special teams game and maybe trying a new kick yeah. returner on Saturday as well. Uh, it's going to go a long way for IU. And, you know, as, as you wrote in your, your article this week, DJ, breakthrough seems like it's a, a long way away, but this, this program has come a long way since, uh, you know, since Kevin Wilson took over in 2011. And basically if you go back to, you know, 15 years, in 2000, you know, two, just think of where this program was with Jerry Donardo took over think of it where it's now coming off of games. Uh, it's come a long way as well. So I think this team has to be persistent. Just keep your head down, keep going to work, keep working hard uh, and, and breakthrough is going to happen. It, Tom Allen has said it, it's a mentality. It's a mentality every week. It's not just a singular yeah. event. So I think the mentality of coming out, thinking you're going to win every week, being kind of ticked off that you you, you lost, um, but erasing it from your memory and getting to the next week is huge. And I think that's where this program is at. 
and you know you kind of plateaued a little bit, but you're plateauing as a as a as a decent team, not not a bad team. Uh, and you know, especially in a year where you're changing coaches, it's never happened in IU's history where they they've got rid of a coach coming off a bowl game and have a real strong team coming back and a chance to go to a third straight bowl game. Uh, so it's kind of uncharted waters here for Indiana football, but. It's a, you know, fans have to be patient. It's okay to be pissed off that they lost. Um, but you, you just take a deep breath. There's plenty of season left. There's six games left. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what they do. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely understand the frustration. Uh, trust me, you know, you and I have been at this for a very, very long time. And I say at this as in ball fandom, um, you know, we you do. You at times you feel, uh, at least I do, and I know others uh, join in this. You you feel just um, just defeated. I mean, you feel as if every Saturday, um, you know, the officials are uh, a fifty-fifty calls going against you, and in, in a big spot. And every so time you play 80, one of these big opponents, are going against you, you. Yeah. Yeah, and you you almost have you, know, you feel in really good position against one of these big opponents, and and uh, you just know that something is going to happen, and then IU comes up just short. Um, and I I feel uh, I feel for the players because we get a glimpse into the program that we know how hard these guys work, how much they care, uh, and how much it matters to them. And I just, I mean, I want it for myself. Don't get me wrong. I want it for myself and for the site, but I want it for this group of players and this coaches, this coaching staff. I I want that big win to happen. Uh, And I want that big season to happen so bad because I I know how hard they work uh, and how much they care. And it's just so frustrating when you, when you have multiple occasions where you get close, but not, quite over the hump uh, but I, I just feel like for me anyway uh, I'm able to kind of yeah those losses stick and they, they, they're ones that I you know I still go back to uh, the Michigan game a few years back um, in Bloomington and Indiana had no business beating that Michigan team it wasn't even a great Michigan team it was a bad IU team and, you know, IU had them, and then a, a interception with a, a bogus pass interference. Um, just, you know, and then IU falls apart and loses. I still remember games like that. And this recent Michigan game is going to be another one that, that goes in that, uh, that growing catalog of, of painful losses. But when it all clicks, and it will, at some point it will all click, Things will come together. It's just going to make it that that much sweeter when it does happen. And I know that's corny. I know it's cheesy, and uh, I don't care. I really do believe that, uh, and I firmly believe that um, Tom Allen and his—I don't know if it'll be the current construction of staff. Who knows? But I, I believe Tom Allen's the right guy to make that make that finally click for Indiana. Now, what's that? What does that mean for an overall season? I don't really know. I don't know what a truly special season is. Uh, I don't know what that looks like for Indiana, but once it happens, I will know it. 
you know, I'll know that it's going on and we'll be able to feel it. We'll be able to tangibly see it uh, and, and we'll know. Um, and I'm looking forward to that for now. I think that you know, I, I still feel pretty strongly that this Indiana team's going to get to a third straight bowl game, which is quite an accomplishment. Uh, and I, you know, we'll get to predictions here. I, I, I don't think Indiana beats Michigan State this Saturday. Um, I do think they play, you know, a similar game to Michigan. I think it's an ugly game. I think it's one that has you concerned about the offense because Michigan State's defense is really good. Joe Bocci is, uh, looks like another, you know, star in the making, a linebacker for the Spartans. Um, they've got a number of just very solid defenders. They play really sound. Uh, sound football, they tackle well, they don't make any coverage mistakes. It's a really sound defensive football team. I think they hold Indiana's offense down. Uh, I'm going to say to 20 points, the Spartans get 24. Indiana comes up just short again, uh, and we'll all be feeling the frustration, and the, the frustration will be riding pretty high as Indiana goes to College Park. Uh, spoiler, I think the season turns around, uh, not that it you know, has been a disaster by any means at all, but I think that Indiana takes out some frustration on the Terrapins in two weeks, and we'll get to that game, obviously, when it's time. But uh, for this week, I'll go Michigan State 24, Indiana 20. Um, I know that, you know, Michigan's the result against Michigan was tough for everybody to handle. We we do appreciate everybody that's following the site and continues to stay with us and Hang with us. Trust me, guys. It's, it's all going to be worth it when it comes around and finally clicks. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is a game. Hoosiers area is on Saturday. It's a game where if, if you lose here, you kind of the spotlight goes off of you. And you kind of not slink back to the dark, but you can fly under the radar a little bit. It takes a little bit of the pressure off. Um as much as I, I I would love the fans to stick with this team through, you know, through the early basketball seasons, but you have a new basketball coach, excitement's going to be high, uh, especially for Hoosier Asteri on Saturday, um, sure. and you know maybe that that's what they need is to take the pressure off a little bit on on some of these games, especially with some winnable games coming up. But uh, you know Michigan State's a tough opponent. We haven't won up there in, in a while. I think since two thousand one. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go Michigan State 27, uh, Indiana 21. Uh, it's just a, it's a tough opponent. It's another ranked opponent. It's it's one yeah. of the, quote, perks of playing in the in the Big Ten East. Indiana's schedule oh, yeah. so far this year, they've played a ranked Ohio State team. Virginia uh, is uh, almost, almost there for – you know, in the top 25, Penn State is now the number two team in the country. Michigan's ranked 19th. Michigan State's 18th. Uh, and then you play Wisconsin, who's number I think that I, I saw something that they play 14, 14 of the last 29 games. They've played ranked opponents or something. And that's yeah, just, that's correct. Is, you know, we'll get to it in the off season again. This is why scheduling is so important. Uh, is that, you know, Indiana's schedule is so brutal in the Big Ten East that, you know, you hear fans complain about these cupcakes. You've got to play them. Uh, you need three wins. Uh, and then you can take care of business in the Big Ten East uh, with three wins, and, and hopefully you get a good draw of the crossover. But, you know, another tough game in the Big Ten East. I'm going to go Michigan State 27, Indiana 21. And then you're right, that, that Michigan game – or Minnesota, uh, 
Maryland game. There's too many M schools in the Big Ten, too. Um, the Maryland game is, you know, you know that second pivot point. I thought Virginia was pivot point number one. They got through that. Maryland is going to be pivot point number two. A win there gets you back to, to four and four. So uh, we'll preview that game next week. Stick with us through this week. TJ, as always, thanks for joining us. i got to get back to watch the end of this Yankee game. And, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the weekend. The game, I believe, is on ABC at 3.30. Uh, so, yep. you know, hopefully they'll have the game on in Assembly Hall. And if you're not at Assembly Hall, get it on your TVs. Uh, if not, follow us uh, along on Twitter and enjoy the rest of your evening. Yep. Have fun, everybody. Thank you. All right. That does it for our Old Brass Platoon preview show. Uh, come visit us at HoosierHuddle.com uh, whenever you feel like. Hopefully it's more often than not. We're on Twitter as well as at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Anyway, that does it for tonight's show. We'll be up live in East Lansing with our preview show, and we'll see you there. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. 
Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts.